Hi guys, Pastor Bob, just uh, coming to you with another one of my series of Not a Message, Just a Thought. And one of the things I was thinking about is that as we translate the Bible from the Hebrew language, from the Greek language, and some of it's from the Aramaic, we have to deal with the issues that are involved in a language. And on the last one, I mentioned how we have over 100,000 English words, and and the original Hebrew had less than 4,000. And so uh, the Hebrew words then tended to have more meanings to them, more, uh, more broad, I guess, in a sense. The meanings were more broad and more varied. And so I want to look at one of those Hebrew words today. This is a word that I think is important for us. It's, it's the Hebrew word yada. Now, we live in the digital age, and we can access unlimited information from the internet. And so our idea of what knowing means basically is based on facts and understanding. It's kind of like a mental comprehension of reality. That's kind of how we define knowing. But the Hebrew word yada means a lot more than that. It has this idea of not just primarily mental activity, but it has this idea of of relationship, of experience, of commitment, of loyalty, of trust, those ideas all wrapped up in that word. So that like we would use the word to know of being aware of someone's identity or familiar with them. But when the Bible speaks about knowing someone specifically, especially in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, although it's in the Greek, uh, so much of that is coming out of that Hebrew background. So when the Bible talks about knowing, it's far beyond familiarity. It moves into the idea of having concern for someone and then acting based on that concern that you have. So, for instance, Proverbs 12.10 says, The righteous care for the needs of their animals, but the kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. So when it says the righteous care for the needs of their animal, literally it says the righteous know the needs of their animal. But it doesn't mean they just know the needs. It means they act upon that. They care for them. So in this word yada, the righteous know or know the needs of their animal. It means, and the, the translator put in here, cares because they wanted to, to express this idea that there is an action that comes out of this knowledge. Or even uh, when, uh, when it says to know someone can be intimate with them. Uh, Adam knew, Adam yada, Eve, and gave birth to Cain. That word to know there meant intimate knowledge. In Psalm 1-5, we have a good example of this. Also, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, yada here is the word which translated watches over. Okay, So the implications of yada are more than just the Lord knows the way of the wicked. It means he, he's involved in it. And so uh, um, translators would say here in, this, in Psalm 1-5, he watches over them. He's actively involved in in their life. Often the word yada uh, points beyond academic knowledge to a concept of loyalty or devotion, especially this is true with God. In Psalm 91:14, it says, uh, I will protect him for he knows my name. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. The NIV uses acknowledges my name. Literally, it means he knows my name. Right? So it means I will protect him because he's loyal to me. I will protect him because he acknowledges my, our relationship together and, and it brings out this idea of loyalty. So Hebraically, to know God is to accept, to recognize, and to accept his claims of authority over your life, to be obedient in an obedient relationship with him. This is what Yadah brings out. 
And so when we think about this, conversely, the opposite of the knowledge of God, to know God, is not ignorance. See, Yada has this idea of accepting authority, of, of being subservient. It means I acknowledge who God is. So the opposite of Yada is not I'm ignorant of God. The opposite is I'm in rebellion to him. In 1 Samuel 2.12, it says this, Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for God. Now, yada is that word they translated regard. It's that they did not know God. If you said it literally, you would say they didn't know God. But they did know who God was. They worked in the temple. But what it is is they had no regard for God. They did not acknowledge his authority in their life. That's why in, uh, in the NIV, in 1 Samuel 2.12, they translate this word to know to mean no regard because that's what's going on there. Uh, when Moses came to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Pharaoh said this in Exodus 5.2. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and I will not let, let Israel go. So what is he saying there? It's not just I have no knowledge of this God. It's not a statement of belief. He's saying, I refuse to acknowledge God's authority or to accede to God's demands, to, to do what God says I'm supposed to do. I refuse to do that. So you see, yada, the word that if you look it up in a, dic- in, in a, in a, in a dictionary, in Hebrew to English dictionary, they will say that it means to know. But it means so much more than to know. It means, it means this, this whole sense of I acknowledge, I yield to. And also it has this idea of uh, knowing by experience. It's not, just to, it's not just knowledge. It's not just a relationship. It also has this idea of there's, there's an experience involved. Um, for instance, we're told that Esau was a skilled hunter. Well, literally it says Esau knows hunting. But what is it telling us? He has experience. He's skilled in there. Or Isaiah 53 uh, Verse 3 has a great, it's talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy that's looking forward to Jesus. And it says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one who, whom people hid their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Right? A man of sorrows, uh, a, a man of, of sorrows, familiar with pain, familiar with suffering. That word familiar there is the word yada. He knows it. This, some kinds of knowledge only come through experience. And this is an incredible thought for us. Our Savior knows pain. He's experienced it. Pain and suffering he's, is something he's intimately acquainted with. And this is what makes the, the story of Jesus coming to earth, becoming a man, such a powerful story. Because before then, God did not know that suffering. He knew of it. But because of Jesus, it's been experienced. And that's why in, in Isaiah 53, it says this is what's so important about the one who is to come. Because he will know suffering. He'll know our suffering. He'll experience it. That's a great, it brings, that, can, that can bring great peace in our lives as we struggle knowing that Jesus does too. And, and as you think about it, wrapping up, think about the different times where in the New Testament we see things that clue us in to the fact that there is a Hebraic way of thinking going on. In John 10, 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. So what is Jesus saying there? Well, he's coming out of this Hebrew idea of what to know is. 
And so when you start to think about it, he's saying there's a, there's a, there's a knowledge there that's sim- that is deeper than simply being able to identify a person. And it, there's a great illustration of this. When shepherds would get together, oftentimes they would find, and, and you can still find them in the hills of Israel to this day, there are old sheep pens, and all they are simply is a rock wall with one opening and a little hut for shepherds to get under to get out of the rain or something like that. And oftentimes shepherds with their flocks would meet at these sheep pens and they'd have all their sheep come into the pen they'd close the gate behind them and what would happen is generally speaking there would be one shepherd who would be designated to be the gate he would sit in that opening to keep the sheep from wandering out that's why when jesus says i am the door that's what he's talking about there i am the gate that's what he's talking about and then the shepherds would gather others would gather under that little awning and they'd tell stories maybe through part of the night or they'd sing songs or they'd just catch up on the latest latest gossip that maybe somebody who'd been to town And then in the morning, when it was time to leave, one shepherd would get up and he'd go just outside the gate and he would begin calling his sheep. And there might be a hundred sheep there and suddenly 20 sheep would pick their heads up and go, hey, that's my guy. I know that voice. I'm intimately acquainted with that voice because back then shepherds would talk and sing to their sheep through the course of the day. And those 20 sheep would file out. What would happen with the other sheep? They'd go, that's not my guy. And they'd all kind of crowd away from the opening. Then the next shepherd would get up, and he would start calling. And he would start singing. And 25 more sheep would pick their heads up and go, hey, that's my guy. And they'd start filing out while the rest would say, not my guy, not my guy. And they'd all go to the corner or away from the opening. Jesus says, I'm standing outside the door. I am the door, but I'm standing outside the door, and I'm calling your name. And my sheep know me. They hear me, and I know them. This is all steeped in that word, yada. And as you begin to read your Bible now, when you see to know in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament, knowing the background for it, you can begin to understand it's much more than just head knowledge. It's this idea that it it brings out that there is relational knowledge here. There's experiential knowledge here. There's a sense of obedience. There's a sense of belonging that comes with that word and intimacy because of our relationship with Jesus Christ that we have now and through what he's done for us. So it's not a message, just a thought. Thanks for tuning in.